your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Martinez gets the shotgun snap, has plenty of time. Holding, holding, looking, throwing deep downfield. Has Spielman open at the 25. He's got a 20, 15, jukes a defender. 10, 5, touchdown, Nebraska. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. All fresh and ready to go again after a bye week. Hope you enjoyed your off week of Husker football. Beautiful weather. I know our farming friends are out on the combines. Harvest well underway. A lot of work getting done around the state. Probably have some folks still sitting in the combine right now, finishing up a day's work. Glad you've dialed us up here tonight on a Monday night of Sports Nightly. Josh mentioned it in our ticker. The head coach had a press conference today as the Oscars get ready to get back into action against the Indiana Hoosiers on Saturday. We'll have plenty of clips from the press conference coming up here in just a few minutes. We'll also hear an hour number two from women's basketball coach Amy Williams. She had a press conference today, and we'll hear about her thoughts about her squad. A much of interesting group. It's going to be, I think, a really fun team to follow this winter. A lot of returning players and some exciting new freshmen for Amy Williams Club. So we'll get her thoughts about her club coming up in hour number two. We'll have our weekend rewind, and Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com will join us, get his take about the weekend's activities. He, Ben McLaughlin, was in Champaign, Illinois Saturday, so he saw himself quite the upset. I think we all, that everybody watched that game kind of did. Um, yeah, I mean, even I watched a good chunk of that game, and I, did, I, I didn't think it was actually going to happen until I kind of sensed Wisconsin was going to make another mistake after Illinois scored the touchdown. That was really the, the first time I was like, they might do this. And sure enough, I mean, that's – it's an unbelievably huge win for that program. The Jonathan Taylor fumble was big. The, the Badgers are up nine with about five minutes to go. They're driving. They're at about the 20-yard line of Illinois, and Taylor fumbles. Illinois, and this might have been the key, they really gouged the Badger defense, taking the ball down the field to score the touchdown to pull it within two. They had some gaping holes to run. Corbin had a big run. Brown had a big run. And then they got to within two, and you're right. You can almost kind of sense, wait a minute, something goofy may be happening here. And that's it's the beauty of college football. And I go back to our Big Ten picks on Friday night. Wisconsin was a 32-point favorite in that game, Ben. 32, and they lose. And, and I think Illinois is getting better. That's back-to-back weeks where they played really well against Michigan, and then Illinois gets the, the victory over Wisconsin. So that, that was a huge, huge upset, the biggest of the year in college football, and it's why we love this sport so much. You just never know what's going to happen from week to week. Did you get your garage cleaned out this weekend? Because that was your big I, thing to do on your off Saturday. I did. I didn't do as good of a job as I would have hoped, uh, but it's a lot better than, than it was. And <laughs> that's good. Like my wife is like, I wouldn't say I'm a pack rat by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, if there's something that I think we might find useful at some point later on that I, I feel like I don't want to have to go buy again, I'll ha- I'll hang on to it. Something that I think is practical. She is for, so not that for, way. For instance, give me a for instance. Okay, so I mean, the first thing that came to mind is you know <clears throat> those little. Uh, sprayers, right? That you you can fill up with either weed yeah. killer or fertilizer. Yeah. Or you can put anything in them. Yeah. And there's a little sprayer, right? And I'm like, I don't want to have to go buy one of these. If I have to go use some, you know, put some fertilizer in a spot or 
you know, throw some weed killer down. I don't want to have to go buy one of these when I need it. I want to be able to just use it. And she's like, well, you haven't used that in like three months. So anything that she feels like she can just get and throw away, it's in the garbage. And most of the time, like she won't even ask. She'll just put it in the garbage. And so I'm like, okay, well, so, so with her having that mindset, our garage is like immaculate. Like there's nothing like stray that doesn't have its own particular place in the garage. There's not like that random box of painting stuff or, you know, whatever's in a garage, like lawn chairs spread out. There's none of that. Like everything has its particular, like we have a, like a garden hose, perfectly good garden hose. And she wanted to toss it, toss it. I'm like, can't do that. Like, We'll find a spot for it. And, and sure enough, we needed it later that day. There you go. And I'm like, okay, see, we can't just throw everything away. But long story short, the garage is cleaner than nice. it was the last time we did a show. Good. And I know everybody in the state was wondering about that. Sure. They heard you talk about it Friday. So now you're ready for winter. Yeah. You've winterized your garage. I have. You're ready to, to get going. Good for you. It was a great day. Beautiful it was weather weird outside. having a Saturday off. Been a couple years since like, we've had I, that. I was watching. I ended up sitting down and watched most of the the Indiana Maryland game. I'm like, this is like what I used to do in high school. You know, like sit around. I can just watch these all these games and like have, it was the weirdest feeling. Oh, it's all good. We got another one coming up in like three weeks. I know. So that one's going to be really odd. I think to have the second one. All right, uh, story of the day. Josh let it off in the ticker. Maurice Washington not on. Our first clue was the depth chart was handed out about noon today. Maurice Washington, not on the depth chart. Um, and so right out of the gate, Scott Frost press conference. What's going on with Maurice Washington? And you heard Coach Frost clip earlier in the in the hour. He's not practicing with the team. The, the coach believes he's still in school. He is not a part of the immediate plans for the football team. Long term, no, no final decision has been made. The coach was clear, Ben, that this does not relate to his off-the-field problems that are taking place in the courtrooms in California. This is separate from that. The coach just said we hold our players to a high standard to be a part of the team, to be a good teammate, those type of things. And that's, that wasn't being done by Maurice Washington. Um, to say we're, you're not surprised, I, I think that's a little harsh. I think you're always surprised when somebody is no longer practicing with the team, particularly a guy who's been a big part of this football team through seven weeks. Um, but you're down there on the sidelines. You see body language during games. He was suspended for the first half of the Northwestern game. He was just, heck, he was suspended for the first half of the South Alabama game. We go clear back to that. So he had two one-half suspensions already this year. <clears throat> you felt like the rope was probably – he had a very small rope, and I think he probably has done something to push himself off – off the ledge as far as his being an active member of this team. Yeah, I don't want to say that, you know, yeah, as you said, you never want to say that you're not surprised. But to me, what I saw of Maurice Washington, there were signs. There were signs that, that, were, that were leading this way. And I know people that listen to this show know that I do a lot of interviewing of players and – you know, that's kind of what I really like is building relationships with those guys. I can I can honestly say I haven't ever said a single word to Maurice Washington. I, I've no relationship with him whatsoever, um, which is fine. There are a lot of players that, that are like that in their careers that just don't like that part and want to do their own thing, and 
and that I respect that. I'm never going to try and, you know, approach somebody that, that isn't into it or like, you know, doesn't want to, to deal with that and wants to just do their own thing, go about their work, go about their business. That's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But there were other things that, that you could witness from afar by being around the team that would indicate he was different. Uh, and, and let me give you a couple of examples. Number one, I know doing media is something that a lot of players don't like to do, and it's it's not something that they enjoy doing, and there are some players that uh, that just don't do that. But typically when you are a focal point of an offense, or and I'm talking pre-trouble with the law, I'm talking last season, um, just – he would never do it. He would, he would sneak out. He would, you know, he just didn't want any part of it. And you would think, you know, being a freshman, you would want, you know, even JD Spielman as a freshman would talked and just didn't want to do it. He was, you could tell he was very isolated, but, but to me, the thing that I, that I noticed the most and, and I don't know what it is or, or why it was, but I could the the moment when I could sense something changed with him was when he was suspended for the first half or chosen not to play of the opener or the northwestern the northwestern game, game. Okay. when when you came down to me for a report and you said well where's Mo Washington I said he's sitting on the bench with helmet next to him like that that to me told me everything I needed to know not up with his team about about where he was mentally right and and I'm going to give you the counter example. <clears throat> Mikhail Wilbon, who played maybe 50 snaps in his career, uh, every time Nebraska scored, offense, defense, special teams, running back, receiver, quarterback, tight end, he was always the first guy with his helmet on congratulating his teammates, always. And he was a fifth-string running back, fourth, fifth-string running back, wasn't even on the depth chart a lot of times. That's a good teammate. Going to celebrate with your team, saying good job being engaged in the game, he couldn't have been bothered to have his helmet on. I mean, and let alone be standing on the sideline with his teammates and then let alone congratulating them. He was just in his own world. And I found that so bizarre that that, that was happening. Like, again, go, go back to what Scott Frost said about Maurice Washington before the year. No Devina Zigbo, no Stanley Morgan. We're going to rely heavily on Maurice Washington. He needs to take a massive step forward. We're going to put a lot on his plate. We're going to put a lot on his shoulders. To kind of have all that built up in the offseason, to have the coaches that have been by your side, that have done everything for you and given you the opportunities you need, and you can't be bothered to have your helmet on, be engaged with your team. You can't give that respect to your not only your 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 fellow teammates, but your coaches as well. Like that was such a bad look, in my opinion. And I don't know if a lot of people caught it, but I'm just thinking, if I'm a coach and I, if I'm Ryan Held, and I've got Brody Belt and Wyatt Mazur and Jalen Bradley, whoever else, busting their tails every week at practice and doing everything, watching the film and doing everything that they need to do to play on Saturdays, but still not getting reps. But they're having their helmets on. They're engaged. They're in the team huddles. And then I look, I turn around and look at a guy who probably should be doing extra. Like we're we're talking the the the, the minimum requirement. He he should probably be doing more. And I turn around and see that. That's got to be frustrating as a coach. And that's just one thing and, I, and from what we understand and know about the situation which isn't much it's it's a it's an onion there's a lot of layers there's, there's not just one particular issue he didn't just miss one class or 
you know, late to one meeting or didn't wear, we don't know what it is, but it's more, it's an, it's a, to me, it's a cumulative effect of all the things that we're seeing. And, and coach Frost just said, you know what we, we've tried, we put in our due diligence, but right now you can't be around here. And, and I think to me, to, to allow somebody to do that when you've got, again, teammates who are busting their tails every single day for somebody to get special treatment here, not even through year two, through a year and a half, and show favoritism, it will not have sent a good message. So as hard of a, as a, of a decision as it probably was for the coaches to at least separate themselves a little bit, we're, we're not sure for the longevity or, or whatever else, but it's sending the right message to the team that – you know, you might be a big part of this team. Here was a starting running back that was going to be a huge part of our offense that that will not receive special treatment, and either will you. And our team standards are our team standards. So, you know, that's the way I perceive it. And I could be off on some things, but at least from what I've seen, that's that's my interpretation. You, you can find some pictures on social media of what you were talking about, Maurice sitting on the bench by himself, everybody else up by the sidelines. And that, that was kind of the look, and that's our kind of our lasting impression of that from the first half of that Northwestern game. He did play against Minnesota. He was very ineffective in his carries and his touches in that game against the Gophers. I know folks probably want to sound off on that. That's certainly fine. 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. I also will say this. Nebraska stuck by him. Yeah. I mean, they could have walked away from this young man once the, the charges came down to him in the spring, and they hung with him, they, they allowed him to miss practice time to go do whatever he needed to do with a lawyer or if he had to go to California to appear in a court, they stuck with him. They hung with him. So they didn't just kick him to the curb at the first sign of trouble, and yet it just didn't seem like it was working out for Maurice. But, so I applaud Nebraska for kind of hanging with him and giving him a chance to kind of get it right. Yeah, and that's one thing that I think we need to make clear. We probably should have started with this. This is not related to I said that. the charge. Yeah, yeah. and this is, this is the other issues that have compounded mm-hmm. since then. And I think that's really important to know and understand because there's national people tweeting about this and say, well, I wonder What's, what made them change their mind. It's not – no. that case it's not the scenario that that's played out and I think I think Nebraska kind of owed it to themselves especially these new coaches who are you know trying to as, as coach Frost said it beautifully uh today in the press conference and you heard the the clip there to start the show when I'm sitting in in these kids living rooms and talking to their parents I owe it to them to do everything I can for their son and their kid and and Mo was no different. And I think, you know, instead of just saying, you know, we can't have this black eye on our program or, you know, we can't take the public scrutiny or the national scrutiny who may not, they just may read the headline of the story and, and just assume that we're, it's worth it to us to let it play out and, and give him an, a, a real chance here. And, and that's what I said a little earlier where he – Mo Washington should have put stuff on his shoulders and, and done extra. Yeah. Showed up early for film, showed up early for meetings, showed up early for practice, stayed late at practice, been a good teammate. He should have done all that stuff. And thanks to the coaches, and from what we're hearing, it, it couldn't have been further from the opposite. And if this is indeed the end of Mo Washington as a Husker, those coaches can look themselves in the mirror and go, we did everything, if not more than we should have for this young man. And we should probably finish by saying, I hope he figures it out. I hope if he, you know, whatever his future is and, you know, you hope it's not a, a situation where he forgets about school and forgets about his future and wants to go start doing things that 
that nobody should be doing. You hope that whatever it is, if it's not at Nebraska, he can make the right choices and become a, a, a good man and a good husband and a good father because it can be really difficult with with players from troubled past to find that when they don't have the guidance that you would have at a place like Nebraska. If you can't find it here, you can't help but wonder what's next for them, but you obviously wish the best. So that's our, our big story of the day. If you have some thoughts about that, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. We'll get some of your takes about that. And now what does this mean for the running back room for the final five games of the regular season? We'll analyze that. We'll hear some clips from Scott Frost's press conference today dealing with this topic, including the depth that they now have at running back. We'll get into all that coming up next. All right, press conference today. Scott Frost met with the media for only the second since the Minnesota game ended and right out of the gate. The Maurice Washington question came up because the media had seen the depth chart with the omission of Maurice from that depth chart. He was asked, what is the status of Maurice? I think it's still to be determined. Uh, he won't play this week. Um, don't see him being a part of our plans in the immediate future. And um, the dis the farther out future, we'll, we'll have to determine that uh, based on some circumstances. The coach was pressed on what, why Maurice isn't a part of the team. There's certain standards that we ask our players to uphold. Uh, when those standards aren't upheld, it doesn't matter who it is. They're not going to be a part of our plans um, that week or, or potentially longer. So still on the roster, still listed as a member of the football team, but not practicing, not a part of the immediate future. So will not you won't be seeing him, I don't think, anytime soon, if at all. I mean, my experience in these things, Ben, is, is that this is probably over. The coach hasn't completely closed the door on this thing, but I think the odds of him returning at any time, very, very slim. Uh, I, I mean, I'm trying to even think of a scenario that, that e even if he comes in, does and says the right things, you know, is it is it number one? Is it worth it? Number two, does he mean it? it, it like, I, there would be so much that would have to be rectified, in my opinion, for this to be to a point where they would let him back. And if he's if he's proven over the last year plus that he can't do the bare minimum, uh, it's hard to imagine he's going to go the extra mile to to do the things necessary. And I feel bad saying that, but. At, at one point, it's it's show me, don't tell me. Do you think? Do you think the team? What what do you think the team? Really, you know, I'm, I'm asking you to speculate here. I know that, I understand that, but do you think the team is bothered by this? I think it's probably split. I think yeah. there are probably a handful of guys that. I mean, I I I I really don't even really want to say a name, but he's got a good friend on the team that does everything with him, kind of mentored him, and right, and. And he happens to be on the other end of this spectrum with the coaches of a guy who will be a captain and is, is exactly what they want out of a student athlete that's probably bothered by this. Uh, him being away and disappointed. and um, But there's probably some I, – I would venture to guess there are a good percentage of the players that are going – we can't be doing this every day. We right. can't be too much drama. Yes, we don't yeah. need this. You, one player is not worth all the distraction, and you know it's not fair that you can show up 15 minutes late. You can miss practice. You can you can do all this stuff, and you can do this. You can do that, 
and you're getting to play while I'm doing everything that's asked of me and more in some cases, and I can't see the field. I, I, I think it's probably split, but I think there are people in both camps. Let's head to the phones. Bill and Waverly's up next on Sports Sunday. Good evening, Bill. Um, yeah, you know, I wouldn't put up with it either, but, you know, I want to compare this to the Lawrence Phelps situation, you know, where Osborne had a pretty long leash for him. He had to do certain things to get back and grace with the team. It'd be nice to see if, you know, they do some kind of uh, something like that with them. And I was going to say, you mentioned the Minnesota game. He was ineffective. Well, that had to do with the offensive line. You know, they stand up, they don't block, they don't get down low enough, and which is coming. That's with the age, but. Um, that, that's my comments I was going to make. I'll get off the listen. Thank you. Hi, Bill. I I understand what you're saying, but I challenge you to go watch. Go watch the Iowa game last year of Maurice Washington, and then go watch the plays that he played against Minnesota. Tell me that's the same guy and call back. Because Brody Belt had the same offensive line and ran his tail off with that same offensive line than Maurice Washington did. It's a he was a completely he has been a completely different player. He go watch his first carries. I mean he he he's acting he was running like it was a Super Bowl and every down was fourth and four and now it's like it's a completely different runner. And those kickoff returns too. Yeah, yeah. Tip, kickoff tip, return might be the best instance t- of tip it. Tiptoeing his way to about the fifteen yard line. Um, Lawrence was very popular with his team. The teammates really, and I don't know that, I'm not saying Maurice was not popular with the team, but I do think his antics wore thin on guys, where I think a lot of people on the football team really were pulling for Lawrence. And I've talked to a lot of those guys that were members of those teams, and they were rooting for Lawrence. They wanted Lawrence to be good. They said he was a really good teammate. I don't know that that's the same here with Maurice, but it is an interesting parallel. Um the head coach was asked today if there's anything he would have done differently looking back over the last year and a half with Maurice as a part of this program. No, I wouldn't do anything different. Um, I wish things would be a little different. Listen, uh, Coach Osborne was this way. He, he wasn't quick to crumble kids up and throw them away. Um, some of the kids that are in some of those situations, if, if they're gone out of this program, um, that road doesn't lead to very many good places. So as long as I'm here, I'm going to try to help these young men as much as I can. That's the promise I make to their parents when I sit in their living room and tell them we're going to try to help them no matter what. There's certain things that they know if they do, I'm not going to help them, and they're on their own. Um, But I I want what's best for all these guys. So we're going to try to continue to help them as long as they can be helped. And um, there always comes to a point where you have to throw your hands up and say, we tried. But uh, until then, we want to do what's right by them. I think that's the right thing to do. And um, we certainly try to do everything we can for Mo, and hopefully it works out well. And and this goes back to what we we both said it in the opening segment. Nebraska stood by him when he got in the legal issues. They've, They've been in his corner. They've tried to help him through this. They've tried to keep an environment that he could succeed in. They've... And they've done a lot of that. They could have been – that would have been easy for them to go, okay, you're off the team until whatever happens in that California courtroom takes – but they didn't. They stayed with him. They gave him the avenue of football, which for a lot of these guys, that's the only thing that gets their motor running on a daily basis. So I, I think Nebraska's gone, gone out of their way to try to make this work with Maurice. Yeah, I, I definitely think I definitely think that. And especially early in your coaching tenure, 
you know, to not want to have to deal with something like this and the scrutiny of keeping a guy like that on your team when you know what the public perception is going to be with a lot of people who don't know the situation and all they do is see the ESPN bottom line or, you know, scroll across CNN or CBS Sports and see the headline and don't read the story. You know, the headline is a pretty damning thing in this particular case. And there he had to have known the pushback that the University of Nebraska was going to get and the assumptions and wrong opinions people were going to have of it. But, again, to stick by your guns and, and you know, st- stay true to what you think is the right thing to do wasn't an easy thing. And I, obviously Maurice Washington doesn't see that because if he did – things probably would be different right now and we'd be having a different conversation. Yeah. 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. What does that do now to this position moving forward? We're going to address that. We're going to hear from the head coach. We'll take more calls from you as well. Sports Highlight rolls along here on a Monday. We're back. Sports Highlight Monday night. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you. Earlier today, Husker women's basketball coach Amy Williams had a chance to Get in front of the media, talk about the upcoming 2019 season, and we were able to grab her then right after that. And we've not talked to the coach since they left on their trip to Europe, which included Italy and Spain. And we started off by talking about what kind of trip it was for that team. Yeah, it was just a fabulous trip. What an incredible experience for our student-athletes to just be able to share some of the things they got to do together and just really um, bond and took a couple cooking lessons and did a couple bike tours and um, they just really had a fantastic time and um, I thought we played really good basketball and and had a couple of teams there that were, you know, high level EuroLeague players um, that, you know, we played pretty good basketball. The, The one thing that was um, semi-negative from a coaching standpoint is we really didn't get to look at any of our new kids um, on that trip. We had three freshmen this year and um, two that, you know, were injured and one that um, was playing in the world championships and so um, joined us kind of late. And um, so we got, we were, you know, a lot of returning players playing over there. And and so I think that's probably part of why we we look so good. And, And I could call some plays from last year that we hadn't really put in yet and um, they were um, on the same page but um, as a coach sometimes you you like to use those foreign tours to get a peek at some of your new kids and we didn't get that luxury so we're still kind of you know working those new players into um, things here early in practice. You've been at it for about three weeks what's the progression been like are you where you want to be or um, you're probably now to the point where you're going to get nervous because certain things aren't in and the games are coming up quick yeah, it always seems to happen that way it's the first couple weeks you're really like you know feeling like oh we've got all this time and you know and and we're very particular and detailed and now it's you know we've got a close scrimmage on Saturday already and we're thinking you know we we probably better have a press break in before that and uh, start working some zone offense and you know want to work some situations and and you know really now um, having to really start fine-tuning some of the the detail stuff to to get ourselves prepared to to compete who has stood out to you in the last couple of weeks yeah, there's been a lot of um, players that have really, you know, had great days and been kind of catching my eye. And, and um, I think, you know, one that's been pretty consistent um, for most of the uh, summer and preseason has been uh, Leah Brown, who we feel like has just been, you know, uh, with a different mindset this year and a lot more confidence as a sophomore um, after her freshman year and the way that that kind of um, ended for her. And um, we're looking for a little more um, consistency out of her 
her with her performance. And so I think she's done a pretty good job of just really trying to bring the same focus and energy and intensity to every practice and every rep of every drill. And, and um, so she's been doing a great job. I think Taylor Kissinger is showing um, some marked improvements in, in areas of her game that we've been very excited about. Um, I see a, Eliley had a fantastic um, trip and three games over in Italy, and she's been really um, showing some areas that she's improved. I think, um, you know, we all feel like Kate Kane is moving better and just uh, really doing some great things inside. And, um, and several improvements from some of those other freshmen, just um, Ashton Verbeek and Sam Hybe and, and some players that are just playing a little more confident in their sophomore seasons. You mentioned not able to really get a look at your freshmen on the trip. Your impressions of them through about three weeks. Yeah, um, the one thing is these three freshmen collectively as a whole uh, really pick things up very quickly. Um, they they tend to um, just, you know, you can tell them one time and then they, they hear it and they gather and they take that in. So that's going to be a really uh, good attribute for, for them. I think um, uh, we've seen some really good things out of Izzy Bourne. I think she's just kind of versatile forward that um, can play on both sides of the floor and is very physical. And, and so, um, you know, we're very excited about what she adds to some depth in our uh, forward position. And um, and I think, you know, both Mackenzie Helms and Trinity Brady are um, – bringing different things to the table. I think McKenzie as a point guard really sees the floor very well and she makes some really good plays and is trying to uh, catch up with the defensive um, side of the ball. And, and Trinity, on the other hand, we feel like, you know, is, you know, one of our best help defenders and makes plays on defense and plays in a stance and is finding ways to get rebounds and do all the little things there and just um, trying to gain her confidence uh, probably more on the offensive end of the ball. And, and so I think as they continue to work and get reps, they're going to both find ways to, um, to, to continue to get better and, and work into the mix. We're in the midst of football season. Two years ago, the NCAA in football is allowing players to play up to four games and then still hold a red shirt. Would you like to see college basketball adopt something similar? Yeah, as a matter of fact, and it's something that um, at the Big Ten head coaches meetings that um, we put as a proposal forward that we would like to kind of propose um, that is adopted for our sport as well is is to have something very similar and uh, we feel like it makes sense to do that for all sports if you're going to do it for football and and something that I think would be um, really good for um, individual players and their careers to be able to kind of really um, get a little chance at some experience, but also be able to preserve their red shirts to um, allow them to continue their career um, past. You see it a lot in our sport where you'll have players that, you know, played in seven or eight games as a freshman and then that burned an entire season of competition. And so um, we think it would be a fabulous thing, something that most of the coaches in our conference were supportive of. Good to hear. Hope that happens. Okay, you mentioned closed-door scrimmage this week. I know you have an exhibition game a week from Saturday. Take us through the next couple of weeks. What what, what will the schedule look like? Yeah, we do have um, that closed scrimmage with uh, Arizona State on Saturday, so I uh, get to go up and challenge ourselves against uh, you know a team that a couple years ago knocked us out of the NCAA tournament, but also um, you know one of the preseason top 20 teams in the country, and so that'll be a really good uh, chance to kind of um, – uh, 
polish some things up and identify where we really need to get better and um, to compete with some of the top teams in, in the country. And then um, to be able to compete that exhibition game um, one a week from Saturday here, kind of our first chance to play um, as a group in front of our fans. We're excited about that. We'll be playing Rogers State University, which was my first head coaching job at Rogers State um, when I first took over there they were an NAIA program and and now um, NCAA Division II school so we're excited to be able to um, kind of have that that group come up and and play us and then we get to open the season the following Wednesday against uh, former Husker coach uh, Margaret Richards who used to play uh, in our program uh, years ago as the head coach at Alabama A&M and we'll uh, be playing them on a Wednesday at noon which um, is going to kind of coincide with a sportsmanship programming that we get to do for some of the school uh, aged children in our state and uh, it's just going to be a fantastic day and opportunity for those young people to uh, hear some messages from some of the coaches uh, at our uh, university, but also, you know, Nicaea Eliley is going to address the crowd and talk about just uh, sportsmanship and having great character. And I just think what a fabulous role model um, for them to be able to hear from and just get some of that messaging and also get to take in a great game. So we're we're excited for that. That will be a really exciting thing to do that and to tip off the season at noon. Great to see you. Good luck the next couple of weeks. I know your fans are excited to get this thing going. You have so many familiar faces back, and I know you're excited about this freshman group, so we're looking forward to this. Sounds good. Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to it. It's, it's, here, it's here one way or the other. <laughs> see the game last night? Which game? Any of them. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat. And a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. Now he runs the opposite way. He runs at the 50. He runs at the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms, bare-chested. Somebody stop Look that out. man. Here comes the blue coat. Oh, Kevin. they got him. Here comes coming the blue from coat. The oh, and they tackle him at the 40-yard line. Gomes looking for the overlap. Inside, it's Messi! Husker football chatter, but not the case with the bye week. So we move from one fall sport right to the next. And it was Nebraska volleyball on the road at Maryland, a team that they on paper were better than. And boy, did they show that here this weekend. Sends a serve back middle. Megan, perfect pass for the win. The slide. Stubrens, kaboom. 25-13. Set three. And this match over in College Park, Maryland. And the Huskers take apart Maryland, and they win it three sets to love. And this is what you needed. You know, this wonderful Ooh. stretch to just take care of business, get some confidence, work on some things, and get ramped up here, which is hard to believe. We're about a month away from the stretch run. Yeah. Quick match. Went in there, took care of business. They're in the midst of a, a long road trip this weekend. They play the two Indiana schools, Indiana and Purdue, on the road. So not at the Devaney Center for a little while. So good start to their road trip. Yeah, and, and some matches, winnable matches on the horizon 
for Husker Volleyball. I hope they can continue to take care of business. And Husker Soccer with another tough result as they fall to the Badgers. And uh, this season is just seems to be dragging along for that bunch right now. They go up. That was a trip north for them. They went one they went one one draw with Minnesota and then get beat two nothing by the Badgers on Sunday. Yep. So they'll move they, ahead in their season. They have their senior day Sunday. Yeah, that, that season's moving rather, yeah. rather quickly. I mean, and along in two, in some respects. Uh, let's uh, jump to Big Ten football. We start with a bang. Champaign, Illinois. This is one we didn't spend a lot of time on on our Choices Treatment Center Big Ten picks. But we all got it wrong, didn't we? We. I did not pick them. Maybe we should have examined this one a bit further because. It was a program-changing win for the Illini. This will be a 39-yard attempt from the middle of the field for James McCourt with four seconds left. Wisconsin 23, Illinois 21. The Badgers have no timeouts. They can't stop it. McCourt for the win. People were rather excited that that kick went in, and, and why not? <laughs> they, they go in and shock the sixth-ranked team in the country, and I mean shocked. Wisconsin's got to go, how the heck does that happen? We're up nine with the ball and driving midway through the fourth quarter, and instead everything turns, and Illinois boots it through over a 30-point underdog and wins it 24-23. Last two weeks for the Illini, they push Michigan, come up short, then they beat the Badgers. They're now 3-4. and four. Huge win for Lovey Smith in year four to try to show that that program's making progress. A giant win, and it just spoils Wisconsin season. I, I mean, they can still win the West. They can obviously still win the Big Ten and the Big Ten championship game, but they were thinking a lot bigger than that. They're going to be thinking about that kick and that fumble and that pick for the rest of the season. No doubt. There's no question about that. Whether their season finishing it out with wins or – Start and starts a tailspin, Greg, because it's either going to be the, the beginning of the end or it's going to be what's holding them back. Right. Illinois wins it, 24-23. How about Iowa that we expected a close one with Purdue? And it was, but the Hawkeyes did hold on. Sargent straight ahead, big hole up the middle. He's squirming inside the five. Touchdown! Touchdown, Iowa! Talk about shoving it down your throat. Oh, he ran through three tackles. Mackay Sargent with a touchdown run that put away Purdue 26-20. Purdue's finding a way to be competent with a backup quarterback and no Rondale Moore, and their running back situation is ever confusing as well. But Iowa just wins by six. Kind of figured something out. I think Purdue has. No, they they lost. They still got beat. Two and five. Their chance of making a bowl game is pretty slim. But with that game only a week away for the Huskers, uh, that's going to be a, that's going to be a chore now going to West Lafayette. It will. It was not a chore for Minnesota as they played the laughing stock of the Big Ten, 42-7 Gophers over Rutgers. It was another big day for Rodney Smith, another big day for Tyler Johnson, another big day for Tanner Morgan. Another, uh, I will. If you're looking for, if you are a Rutgers fan listening, there is a bright spot. Uh, they equaled their total of touchdowns in conference play with their effort against Minnesota at one. <laughs> Nice. They had one touchdown in conference play entering the game, and they equaled that total with one against the Gophers, 42-7 the final. Indiana beats Maryland 34-28. Uh, Mike Penix left the game early 
uh, in the second quarter for late first quarter for Indiana is Peyton Ramsey, and that continues to be the story this week for Husker fans is who will be the quarterback for either team, both the Huskers and the Hoosiers. But Indiana does get a big stop defensively late, and they hang on for the six-point victory in College Park, beating Maryland 34-28. As I said, I think it's only the second road win for them in the last five years in the Big Ten, second Big Ten road win for Indiana. They don't get many of those, but they were able to get it done Saturday. And 34-28, the final, of course, all leading up to the night game in Happy Valley, State College, whiteout Penn State, and Michigan, boy, this was a blowout early. Michigan makes it a game late, but in the end, the home team is too much. Two near side, Dotson Hamlin. Back goes Clifford off play action. Waits long and deep down the middle. Hamlin, KJ's there, got it. Touchdown, Penn State. 53 yards. Big day for KJ Hamler as he has two touchdowns against Michigan. Sean Clifford continues to play well for Penn State and Michigan fights back. Greg Ronnie Bell drops the touchdown in the end zone and really unfortunate. He's been fans have been way over the line and, and reaching out to him, which is terrible. Awful. Uh, but his teammates have been quick to defend him and, and stand up for him. Just unfortunate he couldn't quite make the play. And for Michigan, another big time game that they could not pull out. Just awful what those fans are doing to him. And, man, how cool did the atmosphere look at that oh, place. Yeah. It was off the charts rocking. Would it, that would have been fun to be there. It would have. Um, there wasn't exactly a lot of hype for the game that I attended there, but maybe the next time the Huskers were in the last time you were there. It was. Um, Penn State wins it 28-21. Big win for them. And for Michigan, they're still searching for answers in big-time games under Jim Harbaugh. Top 25 games of note over the weekend. Clemson did not look very good the first half against Louisville. They score a couple of times late and end up winning, pulling away 45-10. But they haven't looked like the dominant team that we expected. If you had to pick four teams to the playoff right now, are they in? Based on how they look Mm -hmm. or based on how they're going to finish? How they look right now. What we've seen right now. I don't put them in. Your four would be? Ohio State, Oklahoma, Bama, Bama, LSU, probably LSU. Me too. Yep, I agree. They're not in. Yeah, I mean they they do not pass the old eyeball. They, they have not. They have not. And they win forty-five to ten. But boy, they looked really sloppy offensively. And Trevor Lawrence has not looked anything like the Heisman candidate nope. that we thought maybe he would. You know who is looking like a Heisman candidate is Jalen Hurts. He is just playing out of his mind for Oklahoma. They beat up West Virginia forty-five fourteen. Five touchdowns, again, accounted for for him. He's freak show. He looked good. He's looked good all year. <laughs> Oklahoma just keeps rolling a different guy in there every year. Yeah. South wow. Carolina had Florida pinned to the mat, but then the Gators kick out and somehow get that offense going as Trask throws four touchdown passes, and Florida ends up beating South Carolina 38-27. They, they had them on the ropes. They did. I thought that was – and then all of a sudden, it was like a switch flip. Yeah. I mean, the end, you're, you see the final scoring, like, what happened? Yeah, crazy. Turned it on when they had to. Pac-12 matchup of the weekend. It was Oregon and Washington in Seattle. Boy, this was a good game, but Oregon's offense makes one more play in the end. Third down and two. Herbert. Leakiel behind him. Snap to throw. Give him five. Give him six into the end zone. No touchdown call yet. They're going to put it. Yeah, touchdown. Now the touchdown. Oregon with a late touchdown beats Washington 35-31, and I think Nate Orr's Huskies are finally out of the yeah. top 25 polls. Yeah, I think he's done with them too. 
Oh boy, yeah. He's thrown his arms up. He was loving those guys. They got him at home. They got Eason. They got all these guys. And, blah, and blah, blah, hey, blah. let's be honest. His team, when we did our top twenty-five, was Washington. Bratz was Washington State, and they haven't had much of a year either. You know who ours was? Oregon Ducks. It's true. So we we had him about we're, right. We're looking all right. Yeah. SMU remains undefeated. Shane Buchel, yeah, that guy still has eligibility. The former Texas Longhorn quarterback is killing it in Dallas right now. They beat Temple 45-21. Six touchdowns ties a program record for him on Saturday. SMU's undefeated. Great story. Game day bit a big feature on them coming back from the ashes of having their program shut down. They're fun to watch. They're pretty good. They're not too fun to watch for the people of Dallas, though. Did you see the stands? Not nobody Ooh, there. Boy. They, they've got a chance of being that New Year's Six game this year. They could be that team yeah. that makes there. Particularly with Boise getting bounced. Yeah. Did we'll you get there I'm in a, sorry. Get there Jump in a second. The Boy, Baylor puts one on Okie State. Uh, they just – they're scoring right now, and their defense is doing just enough. They beat Okie State 45-27. Oklahoma State was a favorite in that game. They get a defensive touchdown late to pull away. You know, and, and even this week I was listening to some national shows, and they're going, okay, Texas is uh, probably going to play OU again in the title game. Let's, Baylor 7-0. and Better yeah. start talking about Baylor a little bit. Yeah, we'll see what they can do with the meat of their schedule still to go. In the Pac-12, Utah beats Arizona State 21-3. to The Utes' defense is legit. They're playing really well. They beat Arizona State 21-3. to And Kansas and Texas, for whatever reason, anytime these two teams lock horns in Austin, it is a barn burner. And, boy, it was no different on Saturday night at the DKR. Five seconds remaining in the game. Dicker from 33 yards out. Good snap and hold. Dicker's kick is up, and the kick is good! It's good! Dicker, the kicker, comes through again, and the Longhorns win this one 50-48. to Puka Williams show for KU. Boy, he is a really good back, electrifying. Texas had no answer for him, but... They had one more answer on top. Big uh, fourth quarter for Devin Duvernay, their tremendous wide receiver. <laughs> Kansas goes down. They go for the win, they thought. They get the two-point conversion, go up 48-47. Texas goes down, kick Can you ball. figure Kansas out? They looked like gangbusters against Boston College. They played great against Texas. And then, like, TCU slaughters them. They lose to Coastal Carolina. I mean, you talk about Jekyll and Hyde. They're all over the board. No, I cannot figure them out. I don't think Les Miles can figure them out. What a mess. Speaking of mess, let's stick for old Big 12 teams here for just a second. Missouri, nationally ranked, loses to Vanderbilt 21-14. Kelly Bryant played awful for Mizzou. And that is a bad, bad loss to the Missouri Tigers. Vanderbilt is is not good. Missouri, after losing their opener to Wyoming and Craig Bowl, had ripped off five straight wins, and then they go do that. Awful. Yeah, we'll finish up with the game you mentioned earlier, BYU beating Boise State 28-25. Boise hasn't looked overly impressive. They've squeaked a bunch of wins out. They were up to 14 in the polls, but this will knock them back. Yeah, that's that takes care of them having any thought of being that Power 5 team That because that was a home game, right? Uh, BYU. Be, BYU's home. They were at BYU. Okay. Still, still, that's, yeah. Game you need to win if you're going to be in that conversation. Let's jump to NFL finals and results from yesterday. It was the Rams beating up the Falcons. Boy, the Falcons are a disaster right now. And Matt Ryan sprains his ankle. 37-10, Rams with the win. Miami and Buffalo, boy, this thing sure got exciting as Miami uh, scores late. Then Micah Hyde, former Iowa Hawkeye, picks up the onside kick, runs it in for for a touchdown to put him away. They end up winning by 10. 
31-21 Bills. Just one loss on the season. Uh, that game was probably a little tighter with Miami than they would have hoped. Jacksonville gets a, a Yannick Ngakwe pick six. The former Maryland Terrapin puts away the Bengals 27-17, and so Zach Taylor remains winless uh, as Bengals head coach. That that uh, Job security is not real good no. in the NFL, even though I think they weren't going to be very good. What are they, 0-6? 0-7. 0-7? Stanley Morgan posted a photo of him and Leonard Fournette switching jerseys after the game. That was pretty cool. Hmm. Fournette had a big day for the Jags on the ground. Minnesota beats Detroit 42-30. to Another good day for Dalvin Cook. Another good day for Kirk Cousins, who's starting to come alive a little bit. That was an entertaining game. Remember everybody panicking about the Vikings about three weeks ago? Their they're they're, offense is starting to get it going. They're, they're and they're trusting okay. him more. They're yeah. trusting him. But we'll, I don't know the, the status of Adam Thielen. That would be a big loss for him. He injured his hamstring in that one. Green Bay... And Oakland, Aaron Rodgers goes nuts. Six total touchdowns, five touchdown passes for the former MVP. It's about time he's looked like himself, and he's doing it with a bunch of receivers that nobody's heard of. 42-24, Green Bay beats up on Oakland. That was by far the best game of the season for Aaron Rodgers. Texans and Colts, this thing was interesting coming down the stretch. A big pick late for the Colts. It was Darius Leonard with the game-winning interception for the Colts, but Jacoby Brissett with a big day for Indianapolis. Throws for four scores for the Colts. Arizona beats the New York football Giants 27-21. The San Francisco beating Washington in a monsoon, it seemed like, playing on a, a giant puddle. Niners win it 9-0 in a sloppy game. And the Chargers lose to the Tennessee Titans. They have First and goal on the one after they thought they had taken the lead on an Austin Eckler touchdown. It was ruled he was down at the one with under a minute to go. Melvin Gordon stuffed at the one on first down. They gave it to Melvin Gordon to get on second down. He fumbles at the one. The Titans recover, and the Chargers have just two wins on the year. Ouch. I was burying the AFC East off air to you earlier. AFC West outside the Chiefs. That's not a good division. It is not. And the Chargers have been... Very disappointing this year to a lot of people. Almost as disappointing as the Bears' offense. Holy cow, that is that thing is atrocious. Saints win at 36-25, and the Saints are undefeated 5-0 without Drew Brees. Teddy Bridgewater's 5-0 as the Saints starter. The Bears are a mess offensively. Boo Birds were out all day at Soldier Field. Saints win it by 11. Chicago gets a couple garbage time points. They win it 36-25. Teddy's... Going to help himself in the free agent market with the way he's playing. People are going to go, that can be yep. my starting quarterback. Oh, no doubt. There's no doubt they will. Baltimore gets a big win on the road at Seattle. Lamar Jackson goes on the road and beats Russell Wilson 30-16. to And, of course, Sunday night football to finish. Good NFC East rivalry between the Eagles and the Cowboys, and it was a record-setting day for a former Husker. Okay, 63 to become the first man in NFL history to kick – Three 60-plus field goals. It's on the right hash from the Dallas 47. Eagles had 10 men on the field. Run another one out now. Kicks on the way. Long enough. He did it. He did it. It's history. Brett Maher is the first kicker in NFL history to hit three 60-plus yard field goals in his career. And the Cowboys go to the dressing room up 27 to 7. They finish it 37 to 10. Cowboys all over the Eagles. I saw a ridiculous stat. NFL kickers are like something like 19 for 150 something 
on 60 plus yarders and microscopic percentage. Brett Maher's three for three. <laughs> he's had issues with closer kicks, but he's been great on those bombs. How about, yeah. how about that? And they went at 37. That's a huge weapon, though. I yeah. mean, you're going to keep your job. If you can, if, you, if your offense needs to get to the 40 and you're kicking in it's a true. dome, you're. People are going to use that as a weapon. The Cowboys win it, thirty-seven to ten. Let's uh, let's chat some baseball before we wrap up. And boy, what a way to finish the ALCS for a former MVP. Here's a two-one, and that's driven deep to left center field. Garner is going back. Huge hit for Altuve. Huge hit for the Astros. They go to the World Series. Uh, just a big, big, big at bat there, and that's going to set up a Astros Nationals World Series. And couldn't be more excited for that to get going tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah. NASCAR was in Kansas. I didn't see who won. Did you? I did not. It was their second race. They, you know, they go through the Kansas Speedway twice. I think it might have been Denny Hamlin, maybe. Denny Hamlin yeah, okay. is the winner. Yeah, they, they raced twice at, at Kansas Speedway. We probably had some NASCAR folks who made their way down there to sure. watch that over the weekend. Good good weather. Kansas Speedway. There you go. All right. Good stuff there. All right. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk some college football. Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com. He will drop in here. He was on hand to witness that huge upset in Champaign on Saturday. We'll talk to Adam next. Uh, one guy that was... In Champaign, had a front row seat. Well, not really front row, but you were high atop Memorial Stadium. That thing came out of nowhere, Adam Rittenberg. That was crazy. Did you see that coming? I didn't, Greg, and I did have a front row seat. It was one of those deals where I went down to the field assuming that Wisconsin was going to win. They just stopped Illinois on fourth down near midfield. They had the ball, you know, up nine points, about seven and a half minutes left. The game seemed to be over despite a somewhat lackluster performance by the Badgers. And then Jonathan Taylor, who has been so good all season and hasn't fumbled all season, fumbles for the first time as far as a lost fumble. And then it all just went downhill for the Badgers. And Illinois, to their credit, you know, made the plays at the end to win the game. And they did. And it was a stunning win, a signature win for Lovey Smith's crew and definitely a tough loss for Paul Christ and his team because they had been so dominant all season, but they were not in many ways uh, in that game on Saturday, and those mistakes down the stretch really cost them. We had a caller who just wanted to know if that, that does that save Lovey's job. I, I thought they played Michigan pretty well the week before, and then you get that one done. I, I think he's probably secure for another year, don't you, in Champaign? Well, they only have three wins, and so they're going to have to do some work here down the stretch. Uh, now the schedule is uh, softens up a little bit, um, although, I mean, as far as winnable games, they get – Purdue on the road, and then Rutgers at home. They should definitely beat Rutgers. I, I do think, Greg, you know, it's year four, though. They, I, I think getting to six wins in a bowl appearance is pretty important. You don't see too many coaches make it to year five at a Power 5 school if they can't make a bowl in the first four, and that would be the case if they can't get to six wins. So I think, uh, you know, again, building off of that performance is going to be important. Josh Whitman, the athletic director, hired Lovey Smith only weeks after he was hired in the spring of 2016. So there's certainly a hope that, that Lovey does well so they don't have to make a change. But um, I, I don't think that he's completely out of the woods. All right, that was your Saturday job, your Friday night job. You were there in Evanston to watch Ohio State 
I know you've seen them a couple of times. Pretty, they're just. It's hard not to be impressed, right, with the Buckeyes. Very impressed. I mean, I, you know, again, I saw them there in Lincoln and then at Evanston, and they were dominant both times. They've been dominant all season. You know, their second quarter scoring total is just remarkable. How how dominant they've been able to to be, even if they haven't been great in the first quarter, which really wasn't the case either against Northwestern or the week before against Michigan State. But uh, those adjustments that Ryan Day and his staff are making and Justin Fields is executing, J.K. Dobbins at running back, and, and, and the defense is playing with uh, you know great focus and, and, and technique. And you're listening to Chase Young, their outstanding defensive end after the game. I, th- I think it speaks to the no-drama, clear focus of this team, Greg. Uh, he, he said, I've never been to the playoff. Uh, we've had these fluke losses the last few years to keep us out. And I tell the team every every game, one game could could really do us in. We we, we have to uh, keep that 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 focus and, and not slip up because I don't want to leave here without making the playoffs. And we all know he's gone to the NFL after this season, and so uh, I think that that that's definitely a sentiment that's reflected throughout Ohio State. Yes, they're one week at a time, like every team, but they also realize that that they, they you know they they're a team that's been talented enough to get into the playoff, and uh, and now they have to make sure they get it done. Okay, the, the results of those two games then certainly changes the dynamics for this week, but we still could be – I think we could still see a really entertaining game, don't you, between Wisconsin and Ohio State? Well, I hope so. I'm going to be there, you know, uh, seeing those teams. And, you know, I think Wisconsin is going to be the best defense that Ohio State has faced. And we're still waiting for a defense to really disrupt Justin Fields. You know, Big Ten coach told me this weekend that Ohio State does a great job of scheming to not put him in difficult situations. But certain defenses, especially one as talented and as well coached as Wisconsin, has the potential to take him out of some rhythm and maybe force some errors. Uh, and, and that's really the chance that Wisconsin has in this game. Can they, can they, can they uh, win the takeaway battle, I think, at least by two, and then stay on the field offensively and shorten the game, make it low possession, limit the big plays, make Ohio State earn its points, and then stay on the field itself. Now, Ohio State's going to load the box and, and try to stop Jonathan Taylor like Illinois did, like Northwestern did. So it's going to put pressure on Jack Cohn, who I was actually pretty impressed with against the Illini. He converted a ton of third downs. Now, they have to be better on first and second down, but he leads the country, Greg, in third down completion percentage. So that's a, gonna, uh, that's a stat that's going to have to reflect again against Ohio State for Wisconsin to really have a chance. All right, staying in the Big Ten, boy, the atmosphere looked great at Beaver Stadium Saturday night. I thought Michigan played pretty well. In fact, I thought they outplayed Penn State in the second half, but they don't get it done. What was your takeaway from that thing? Yeah, exactly what you said. You know, it's funny. I think Michigan fans may have come out of that loss feeling a little better than they had the previous two wins. You know, against Illinois, they blow that lead uh, for a little while in the second half, and then the week before, only uh, 10 points in the win over Iowa, but uh, at least the offense came to life um, in that second half. Shea Patterson was performing well. You can see when he's allowed to improvise and, and make plays on the move, he is a really good quarterback. He just haven't done that enough as they've tried to find their identity here offensively under first-year coordinator Josh Gaddis. And so I think Michigan, you know, if they can build off of that, you know, I know they didn't win and they dropped a touchdown at the end. And, again, another road loss to a top-ten opponent. But if they can build on that when they come home to play Notre Dame, I think they, they, they might have a little bit of a surge here uh, down the stretch. And now if they lose this game in Notre Dame, it's going to create a lot of angst. And where do they go under Jim Harbaugh? But the one thing that they've done well under Harbaugh throughout his tenure is is perform well on their home field. So, uh, again, can you take the momentum from the end of Penn State? 
and apply it to Notre Dame, or is it going to be the same old, same old against a top-ten opponent for Michigan? Adam, they're favored to beat the Irish. If the Irish have any hopes of making the playoff, they have to win this one, don't they? Without a doubt. yeah. They, Notre Dame's uh, only chance is to win out and uh, go 11-1. and one. Now, I do think they will go 11-1 and one if they can beat Michigan. I don't think there's a team left in their schedule capable of beating Brian Kelly's squad. Uh, but, yeah, second loss takes them out. They also need a lot of help. You know, with the multiple contenders in the SEC, the multiple contenders in the Big Ten, Georgia already losing a game. You know, that's the team that they handed Notre Dame its only loss. And and the problem for Notre Dame, the biggest problem is just a lack of signature win opportunities. Um, you know, USC's already lost three games. Stanford is 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 three and four. You're not going to get much credit for beating Stanford on the road. Uh, Michigan, this would be their third loss. So it just hasn't worked out well from a schedule standpoint for, for the Irish, even though I think they're a really good team, and, but they absolutely have to beat Michigan on Saturday night. Visiting with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com talking college football. Let's head out to the Pac-12. Oregon now has a chokehold on the North Division. You really like the Ducks, don't you? You, th- you think they still have a crack at this thing? Well, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, they have a crack, and, and they're going to need help. But I, my bigger point with that tweet today is, is that I think a team like Oregon that goes out and schedules a tough game in the first game, a season opener, a neutral site against an SEC team, and they lose on the final minute of the game. And then they, if they went out and swept their, their league, which is you know 10, 10 conference wins, including the Pac-12 championship game, you'd have a win at Washington. They just had that. You'd have a win at Arizona State. You'd have a win at USC. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, just a win at USC. And I think they have Arizona State as well later in the year. But then you have Utah uh, in the Pac-12 championship game potentially. That would be a really strong resume. And one that even if they don't get in the playoff this year, I think you would make a case for an expanded playoff because uh, essentially what you're saying to that, that team if they go 11-1 and is don't schedule Auburn. That's only going to hurt you. Schedule UNLV, schedule New Mexico because, man, if you lose to Auburn, doesn't matter what you do the rest of the season, you're out. And I think that's unfortunate. Um, yes, they lost to Auburn. Auburn's a really good team. It was a season opener. It was a neutral site. But if Oregon does what I'm saying they can do and go 12-1, and one, uh, they're going to be playing really good football by the time the selection, uh, you know, selections are made on December 8th. So that's just my view that I'd like to see an expanded playoff to, re- to reward a team like that. Even even though they may not get in this year, I think they're really good. You mentioned Auburn; that's who they got beat by. That's a huge game this week with Auburn and LSU. I don't think there's a better story going in the country right now than Joe Burrow. What What are your thoughts about Auburn taking on the Tigers? Right. Yeah, it's a, I think it's the, the the biggest test for LSU to date. Now, Florida was really good defensively. They came into to Baton Rouge a few weeks ago, and and Burrow did his thing, and, and they won by 14 points. Florida was without its top pass rusher, John Gernard, for much of that game. You know, Auburn is really good up front. You know, their, their defensive line you know, might be the best in the country. And uh, you know, that, 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 that's a group that I think can, can at least apply some pressure on this tempo-based LSU offense. And Auburn's pretty good in the secondary as well. So interested to see how Kevin Steele, uh, who, who you guys know in, in Husker country, you know, uh, he, how he schemes up this LSU offense, which is so dangerous, so fast so many scoring drives of less than three minutes, and then how Auburn's run game, whether they can have some success against LSU. Big opportunity here for Bo Nix, the freshman quarterback for Auburn. Struggled in their loss to Florida. Too many turnovers, put that defense in too many difficult situations. How does he perform against LSU, which hasn't been great defensively. They've been good, and they come off of a very good performance against Mississippi State. But this is not you know one of those elite 
top five LSU defenses. So curious how Gus Malzahn schemes it up, Kevin Kevin Steele schemes it up, because if not, you know, we, we've seen what this LSU team has done week to week as far as their passing game and their scoring offense. Oh, that should be a fun one to watch on Saturday afternoon. Adam, travel safe to the horseshoe, and we'll talk next week. Sounds good. Appreciate you. We're back on the Night Sports Highlight. About to put a bow on this one. Tomorrow night I here on the program. We'll have a practice report. Haven't had one of those in a couple of weeks. We'll hear from defensive coordinator Eric Chenander as the Huskers get ready for the Indiana Hoosiers. Volleyball show. John Cook will be in studio for an hour tomorrow night. Huskers got a win over Maryland on the weekend and headed to the Hoosier State to take on both Indiana and Purdue this coming weekend. So a pair of road matches. Top 10 Tuesday headed your way tomorrow night as well. So a full show here on Sports Signing. Later in the week, Thursday night will be a big night. We will have Bill Moose's monthly radio show followed by the Husker football show. And I believe, look at my paper here, I believe it's Barrett Rood will be here. So Barrett Rood will be our guest on Thursday night. So big show with both the athletic director and then Barrett Rood for an hour as we get ready for the Huskers game against Indiana on Saturday, 2.30 kickoff at Memorial Stadium. We found out earlier today that the game at Purdue on November the 2nd will be an 11 a.m. kickoff. Uh, it'll only be the second 11 a.m. game of the year for the Huskers. We played the opening game against South Alabama. That was an 11 o'clock kickoff. So that's uh, next week's game with the Boilermakers, and then we have another bye week. So seven games, bye week, two games, bye week. That's the way the Husker schedule fell for this year. Interesting. A little bit of a quirk in it, but uh, pretty interesting. Uh, mentioned earlier in the program, we heard the call in our last segment. Huskers will be wearing the alternate uniforms, the black tops, white pants, on Saturday's game against Indiana. Scott Frost announced that today, also announcing that Maurice Washington is not practicing with the team currently, and does not have a place with this team in the immediate future. So certainly his status in the program long-term very much in doubt. Get a practice report tomorrow. We'll hear from Eric Chenander as we kind of get back into a normal football routine. Also, the World Series begins tomorrow night, and the NBA starts their regular season tomorrow night. It's a big sports day tomorrow. That'll put a wrap on this show. Thanks to Adam Rittenberg for spending some time with us here in hour number three. We heard from Amy Williams, Husker women's coach, earlier on in the program as well. Thanks to Ben, to Josh, to Tim, and to all of you for being a part of this one tonight. Fun show. A lot of great calls. We'll do this all again tomorrow night. Good night.